So the same year that I was born, my parents gave their lives to Christ while they were in their uh, mid to late 30s when they had me. And it was just interesting growing up in a home where uh, your parents are learning to walk in the way of Jesus and they're trying to raise their kids to walk in the way of Jesus. I think that we were raised with just a lot of rules about uh, religion and, and, and how to not sin against God. But I personally struggle to connect with the why of why I should follow Jesus and, and why it truly is the fullest life. Uh, so after the hurricanes in 2004, my family and I, we were in between churches and we decided to try out Calvary Chapel. Now, I wouldn't uh, submit to the teachings. I'd be a hearer of the word, but I wouldn't actually do what any of it ever said. But just receiving the word, knowing Jesus is the way, this is true, but I'm not gonna give my life to this. I'm just, just uh, I'm not broken in spirit. I haven't seen my need for a savior uh, at this point. I would unfortunately still engage in years of a life apart for the Lord. But after I got saved on uh, August 11th, uh, 2011, and I came back to Florida, I uh, started coming to Calvary Chapel and I went on a men's retreat. I, I made uh, not just friends, but best friends. And it was there when I met the youth pastor of our church who shared with me about Romans 8.1 and that we can be free from the things that we have done because of what Jesus did on the cross. I would begin and what the scriptures actually said about me is that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has given me a God-given gifting and that he wants me to use that. I went to nursing school and I felt even just from a super young age that I didn't just want to do medicine, that I wanted to be a nurse. I did that, I went for that and I loved it. I loved being a nurse. And so when uh, some people at Calvary just explain they believe in me and nine people at Calvary tell me that they believe I'm gonna be the next youth pastor in this church and, and to be praying for that and about that. I work so hard for this medical degree. I love what I do, I'm getting paid well. Like, I don't know how to tell them that just stop considering me effort for this thing. It's just interesting is that that was kind of just a seed planted, a, a thought to consider and a thing to pray about. God went from taking my heart to making me resistant to it, to really just softening for it, to where I was praying, God, like, I want this. This is the desire of my heart. I would like to be uh, called into this ministry as a full-time teacher of your word and teaching people how to walk in the way of Jesus. And I want to do it uh, with teenagers, Lord. And I was like, God, if, if you uh, want me to do this, you will open the door and they will come and ask me to do it, Lord. And then sure enough, uh, an opportunity uh, opened up. I would say that life has been hard even walking in a relationship with the Lord. You know, we still face conflict. We still face tough people and in tough situations, but I do always come back to the spirit of self-control and, and submit to what the Word of God says we should do in these things. So uh, life isn't necessarily easier walking with the Lord, but there is hope and there is a shepherd that's leading us through it. And I can definitely say that that's been uh, my experience. So I, I see God working through our campus in that I do believe that people are sitting under a godly teaching they're being equipped by God. They're being taught that they have a gift. And so I'm just excited that uh, at our church, it's just not about just raising a bunch of spectators, but the heart is to empower people with the Great Commission, equip them to lead, and then release them to do that. Yes, amen, amen. 
can you believe that was just me six months ago? <laughs> Why are you laughing? No, I'm just kidding. I got saved, I got my hair cut, my beard cut, and everything, no, no. That's a good friend of mine, uh, Jackson, and he's an amazing youth pastor in Melbourne. My name is Pastor Joey, so I want to thank you for uh, being with me today, and we're going to celebrate 30 years. Uh, we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you want to turn there, uh, we'll be working primarily out of uh, that passage. But one thing I want to do is I want you to see uh, the excitement of what it means to be a Christian or a Christ follower and to belong to a family of faith, and that's what Jackson was really unpacking for us, right? If you can look at this, uh, this is kind of like the theme verse of today on the screen. I put it up for you while you're still flipping in your page. You can see this up here, Psalm 66.5. Psalm 66.5. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. And so what we're going to find here is that when we submit our lives to God, when we submit to, to look where he tells us to look and to hear what, we want, what he wants us to hear, we can see our joy increase because we are finding ourselves in his glory. And uh, that's the reason that we were made and, and, and born, his glory. Our story is not our story. Our story is his story and where we take place in it. And so the world would say, what's going on here at Calvary Chapel? What's going on in Sebastian? Well, we would say, come and see, it's God. And it's the testimony of God in his people. And so what we can see, and especially when I talk to people and I can see it played out in your lives, but specifically you can see all, all, the word really work in like a counseling session. And counseling, you don't really have a breakthrough until you find willful obedience to God. Everything that you can trace back to a problem that someone's having, it's not necessarily that problem that they're facing. It's a trace back to the willful obedience to God, which then melts into God's glory when they give in and they submit to their king, which then gives into their personal joy. And that's why the church is so great, and that's why we come here and celebrate every week, Wednesday, every time, because we're celebrating the glory of God and how it abounds in each one of our hearts. And so that's what we're looking at right here is a collection of people, a family of ambassadors of the goodwill of God that we've already experienced. And that's all we're doing is we're sharing our stories together. So that's what it looks like when people subject themselves to the king of heaven. When the kingdom of God has the kingdom subjects that are working inside of that kingdom, when they submit to the king, what you find is people that have not been ruled by the prince of this world or by their flesh or by culture. They are ruled by the king of joy, the prince of peace. You know, the United States has a ton of embassies all over the planet. We have embassies in every major country, even some countries that might even be recognized on maps by other countries, we have embassies there. And what's amazing about embassies is that they are not just representations of the United States. They are an imprint. They are more than just the logo on the gate. They, they operate with the power and the authority of the United States, regardless of where they are at. And so I just want you to think about that. Even though they are inside of a foreign land, they are not subject to the laws of it. And so they are ruled by a higher ruling, a higher ruling that comes from within. And uh, I just want you to think about that. As a Christian, 
I love these moments in these movies because you know you guys, you always know it's going to be about food or movies with me, one or the other. That when you get Joey, that's what you're going to get. Um, but one of my favorite parts of movies is when I love spy movies. I love watching spy movies with Jackie. And I love like when the CIA is in a hostile country and they're running from the terrorists and they just got to make it to the embassy, right? And they're like running down the street and I'm like, it's just like this. And they're, you know, the guy's running and they're like, open up the gates and the Marines run over to the gates and they open up the gates and then they jump across the border like that's all it takes, and they close, and then they're safe because now they are inside of the protection and the governmentship of the embassy, which is a direct rulership of the United States of America. And inside of this church, more than the walls that we have, we have the power of authority that is working inside of the gates of the hearts of the people here. And so that's what the Great Commission that Jackson was calling about. Yes, he had hopes and dreams. Yes, he had a calling on his life, but then God showed up and raised his calling and propelled him in a new way under a new power and a new authority that he previously did not have. I want you to see what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 16. He unpacks this very powerfully. He says in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I will tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I want to focus very closely on that last verse, verse 17, so you can hear exactly what Jackson was talking about, about not being a spectator. We are not just people that come here for tradition and to feel good. This is what Jesus is saying. First, when Jesus was announced as the Messiah, a couple things happened to Peter. First, he was blessed. Blessed by God. What does it mean for God to bless you? Whatever that is, it's pretty amazing because I know it's unique to each individual in this room, but it is amazing. The second thing that happens there is that a miracle has taken place. The mere fact that the revelation happened in, in Simon Peter's life is because the spirit revealed to him. He didn't have an epiphany. He wasn't like, you know, I'm kind of bored. I just think I want to join a church. Or I just want to feel better about my life. Let me go see what the outreach is doing. No, the Lord had to reveal to him, in him that there was a deeper need. And then once that need was presented, it was like, and I'm the answer. So by the mere fact that you can call yourself a Christ follower, that you can call Jesus Christ your Messiah, a miracle has already taken place. So now you are already operating in the supernatural. So you are now being given the power and authority to say, because he said that I am a Christian, I am a Christian. Because he said that I am chosen and I am forgiven and I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. Because the Father spoke into my life. And so the miracle took place. The second thing is, look at this, and this is strong. Verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There's a, there's a lot happening in that one verse. First is this. Are there any Christians in this room? I hope there's just a few, right? At least. Are there anybody that have confessed Jesus Christ? He is actively building his church upon your confession. Actively. 
actively to this day, not 2,000 years ago in Israel, today. Second thing that he's doing is he's going on the offense. The gates of Haiti has come here and they will not prevail. The power and authority of God has said, at my gates, we stop hell. We stop Hades. We stop Satan. And beyond that, we are now going on the offense. We are now winning. You are not sitting in here just to feel good. You are sitting in here because God has first called you to be an active member of this family, second to be an ambassador for Christ. And praise the Lord that you have been raised up to that position because he saw it in you. I'm gonna tell you, I didn't see it in me. And so the spirit is working in us and revealing that to us and through us. And I would ask you, if you have like an aversion to that, if you're like, I'm, well, maybe Joey, maybe some other people, maybe some more talented people, maybe some more people with more time. Not me. I would let you know this, that the kingdom of heaven came to earth for you. The second thing is the eternal came to fix the temporary. So that which was dying, the eternal came to meet you and and be inside of you. The third thing is whatever you thought you were not good at, you were lost, you were were, um, not capable, you were not gifted, the power of the Holy Spirit came to indwell all of its power in you. So whether you can define that as good or bad, the Holy Spirit has said, I have now called you and I've now empowered you. And so why did God do any of this? To bring us into his dynasty. We've been brought into the family of God. And now I would say, now that you know that divine authority has been applied to you and the name has been given to you, act accordingly. Because the Lord is operating in our lives, not just in this church. I want to let you know this church is more than just a couple of walls and some good music. This church is your life. It's your family. But that's not what the world always sees. And I'm going to give you a counterpoint so you can see it. Inside of this counterpoint, it looks like this. Wherever we can see the church not invading culture, but culture invading the church, you see the church lose its influence. You see it lose its power, its authority, because it's not operating under the orders of the king. It's placating. It's succumbing. It's giving up. And the church is degrading. Well, whose fault is that? Well, I would place the first blame on pastors. So you, you, guys, you guys can sit still for a second. It's all my fault. It's my fault because it's my responsibility because I need to be in the word, preaching the word of God as the promises of God back to heaven so that the truth rains down on us. That's my ownership. That's my responsibility. What's your responsibility? This is your church. And individually, you own it. Individually, if I'm in this pulpit or if I'm not in this pulpit, the Holy Spirit will preach. But that Holy Spirit preaches to you more than just a couple hours on Sunday. Preaches to you all week. Where are you taking that, uh, that power with you? Or are you just leaving it here? I would just let you know that there is a natural tension that takes place between our flesh and culture in the world. And the world wants us to submit to its culture. But I'm going to let you know something. As for this house of worship, we will worship the Lord. This church lives and dies by the word of God, not by a man and not by anything else. And I want to let you know why this is so powerful. Did you know that when they constructed the, uh, the church uh, in Melbourne, they actually built the, the, the concrete where the pulpit is, they actually put a Bible down there to always remind us that this church is, belongs to that. And so I want you to just know that Calvary is the place Calvary is the place where the gospel, as we know it, was completed, right? Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was, uh, he was murdered by the Romans and the Jews, and then he was put in the tomb, and then he was resurrected. And on that place, on that place, we know that heaven is invading and winning because hell and death no longer have its sting.
So heaven begins to first invade the individual before you get in here, and then also the church as a collective. And so that's what the beauty of this church is. That's what we're celebrating the last 30 years. The last 30 years, we're not celebrating how awesome this church is. The last 30 years, we're celebrating what God has done in you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment, and we're going to look at this legacy and what can happen when our story collides with God's legacy and his dynasty. So watch this video as we watch three separate people from three separate campuses living the same story. My name is Ryan Roberts. My name is Amanda Roberts. And we attend the Vieira campus. My name is John Conlon. My wife and I attend the Sebastian campus. Mi nombre es Jennifer Polanco Nieves y atiendo ahora mismo Calvary Chapel en español. Yeah, we've been coming here to the Vieira campus pretty much since it's opened and uh, it's, it's been terrific. It's been really fun to just watch this church grow and um, become such a great family. God has changed my life and my wife's life quite a bit here. We found ourselves uh, in church every Sunday and every Wednesday night and in leadership classes and then uh, on to our home group, which uh, became the center of our ministry. Ha sido un proceso y Calvary Chapel ha sido el instrumento o el eje principal para mi cambio. My walk with God has become uh, personal, which is so good. and. He's molding and shaping us and bringing us along. We've seen God move through people, through their hands, through their feet, through their voice, through their prayers. Uh, and, and he's changed us through that because we're, we're living out the faith. You serve alongside people who are more spiritually mature than you, um, and then you have people who are maybe spiritually younger than you too, and so you have the full spectrum of being able to grow in the Lord. En mi tiempo aquí en Calvary Chapel en Español ha sido grandemente, grandemente. Este, ha sido un proceso, pero ha sido un proceso tan satisfactorio. God really has changed my perspective on serving and um, discipling others. The Lord has uh, put a calling on our life that is to um, be the light for him now, particularly in these times that we all are going through. Uh, it's our job to, for our homes to be a light on a hill, for our church to be a safe place for people to come. Eh, Dios ha llamado mi atención para que yo pueda tener una relación íntima con él y conocer de su palabra. Dios definitivamente eh, me ha enseñado eh, a tener la necesidad del Dios ha transformado mi corazón para tener una relación íntima con él. Dios eh, definitivamente es el eje principal en mi vida. The Sebastian campus is absolutely on fire and moving forward and seeing God work here has been uh, just miraculous. A year ago with COVID, uh, there would be very few people here. The church was standing room only last Sunday. Uh, so COVID had its effect, but um, God had the last say. Y aprendiendo cada día más. Dios ha puesto una necesidad de tener una relación íntima con Él. Creo que eh, la palabra de Dios es fundamental en mi vida, así que eh, los versículos es una cosa que ayuda mucho. 
God's word is the foundation of our lives. Mm -hmm. and, and as you build your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, when winds come, when rains come, when trials and tribulations and challenges show up in life, if it has the right foundation of Christ, it doesn't falter, it doesn't fail, it doesn't fall over. But instead, it makes you stronger. Amen to that. What I love about that, that video is that you can see there are you know, three different groups or three different stories of people there, right? Four different people. And they'll have different backgrounds, different heritage, different you know, reasons for being here, but the same Jesus Christ. And God is still doing the same amazing thing through all of them. I want you to look at this, uh, this verse up on the screen, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, or in your word, if you could join with me. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You see, with creation, God isn't done after the six days in Genesis. He's still creating new things. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who did he give it to? Us. We, you, have the power of the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And so I just wanted you to know, it's amazing as, uh, to be a part of a family because you're known. And I want you to know God is reminding you who you are. So the first thing, if you want to just look, we'll jot something down or have a reminder of what we're doing or what we're talking about today is there's a strength of family that is here inside of the church. What is the church? It's family and it's strong. And it's here to remind us of who we are. I always love uh, going to like a family reunion because you get quickly reminded of who you are. Everything you've ever done gets reminded <laughs> in the first 10 minutes of sitting down to eat, right? All the inside jokes come flying out. Um, even things that you would like to forget, um, maybe even old habits, you are reminded. Why? Because your family knows who you are. And, but that's good to be known. It's good to be held accountable. It's good to be loved. It's good to be cherished. It's good to be remembered. Because I want to let you know what is so amazing about this family of God is that we are a collection of rescues. And that everybody here has had a broken heart that Christ has put back together and then told you, this is your family. I just want to put you in perspective of, of the family legacy that you're a part of. Zacchaeus. It's tax season. Right now. And he was the IRS of, of Israel. And um, I, don't even, I didn't even want to jot this down because every year, I don't know why, I just tax season stresses me out. It shouldn't. It's the same thing every year for me. Um, but Zacchaeus was a little something special from even our own IRS. He was extorting his own countrymen. He was ripping off the people in his neighborhood to make himself rich under the power and guise of Rome. He would be considered the worst of the worst outcasts. And yet Jesus said, let's go have lunch. I want you to know I know you. I know all about you, and yet I still want you to know me. How about the woman at the well? Just think about this. She went to the well at noon because of her shame and because of her guilt. And that's precisely where Jesus Christ chose to meet her, in her shame and in her guilt, to reconcile, to reconcile her not just back to him but to the family. And think about the woman that was caught in adultery. 
Everybody, you're going to have to put your rocks down because this person on this day, I choose to identify with and I want her in my family. Because just like you guys that are holding stones, she's a broken heart and she is a rescue and I'm on a mission. You see, the church is a collection of the unwelcomed. Mostly, I would even say in the, in the world, but even in religion. The unwelcomed, the unwanted, and yet Jesus has said, you are not abandoned, you have been restored. Because I am calling you to this kingdom and I'm calling you to this family. And I want you to look at this. Look at the family resemblance. It's in this room. It's on that video. Can anyone worship God? Can anyone receive God? Can anyone be reconciled to God without exception? And so I want you to know this church is on full display of that spectrum. I'm, I'm chief of that. Um, I have grown up in the church. I, um, I almost overdosed near a church. And yet Jesus Christ chose to make me a part of his family. Because it's an amazing moment when you realize this, is that Christ chose us. I'm going to put this in perspective for you. Um, how Christ chose you and how he chose you to be his ambassador. When there was a time when I was faltering in my faith, pursuing drugs and everything else, and I went around the country and I even went around the world looking at different religions, and I would always marvel at religious statues when you go to a place. They're always magnificent and a lot of art put into it. And I was always like, these things are kind of you know, creative and interesting, but they don't mean anything. And it's amazing to me when I got to Calvary Chapel about 15 years ago, um, there was no statues here. There are no statues here. There's no need for statues here. It took me about five years after I started attending Calvary to realize why we don't need statues because we are all living monuments to the glory of God. If we were to take the time and unpack each one of our stories and why we're here and what amazing thing God has done in us, all we would do is be like, we don't need a statue. We got enough. We got enough right there. So if you want to, I don't always like when pastors do this, look around. This is the museum of God's glory. This is the gallery of his goodness. Um, so remember what Jesus said to Peter, what he said in that moment. He said, it was by flesh and blood that I reveal this to you, that the Father has come to you. I want you to know that the moment that you realize that you had a need, and the moment you realize that Jesus Christ was going to fill that need, and then he was going to place you in this family, you realize he had a higher calling on your life. He was calling you out of something, not just to leave you alone, but to send you into something, and that's this family. Which brings us to the next part, the strength of this kingdom. It's good to be known, but it's also good to be pursued. I want to let you know, the reason why we're celebrating these 30 years and also going over these verses, it's good to know who you are, but it also is great to know whose you are. You belong to Jesus Christ. And we are supernaturally rescued by a supernatural God who is now put inside of us the temple of God by putting his spirit in us. And so the old is gone. That was marked by sin. The new is here. And guess what? We are pulled forward by grace. We are pulled forward by grace. I saw this. I want to let you know how awesome and gentle this, 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 this portion of the service is. I saw this video a long time ago um, of this cowboy in the Midwest. And he just... I guess you can say this in church. He got a wild hair and said, I'm going to take my horse over to Walmart. That's a very Midwest thing to say, I guess. So he got on his horse and he rode over to Walmart and he goes, you know what? I'm going to go into Walmart. Now, I don't know what this Walmart looks like, but I know he was going to ride his horse in. I, I don't know. He was just riding in there. And uh, I guess a thief had grabbed a bunch of stuff and ran out. And someone said, 
thief, thief, grab him. And of course, this cowboy said, I'm the man for your job. So he turned his horse around and he got his rope and he caught the guy. And you could see this all on security camera. And he dragged him back and tied him to a tree. And I will let you, I will let you know all this. As great as the story is, none of it was gentle. <laughs> Not a single bit of that pursuit was gentle. That guy looked beat up by the time he got to that tree. The cops show up. Everybody's high-fiving. He's getting his five minutes of fame on the, on the news that night. And I just remember that because they had the guy tied up behind the tree, and he was just like this with his cowboy. And he's like, yeah, I caught the varmint back there. I was like, that is not a gentle process. And at the same time, the minor prophets would refer to the way that Jesus Christ would pursue us or God would pursue us is with a very soft rope. And it would be gentle, and he will always get his man. But that description is grace. It's by grace that you are pursued. We love to be known, but we also love to be pursued. But thank the Lord he doesn't give us whiplash. Thank the Lord that he comes to us gently with grace and reminds us of who we are, but whose we are. I want to let you know what you look like when you get grabbed a hold by the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 5 on the screen. It says, you are the light of the world. This is what you've become. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand higher up. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I want to let you know the description of that, the strength of this family is God's love. We are formed as a church by the mere fact that by grace, God collectively chose us individually and then brought us together, right? Individually, he grabbed us by grace, but collectively, he weaves us together as we are all lifted up, maybe from different situations, different problems, but all lifted up to the same light. And now you are a representative of that light. And you have this to say, you know, it's by his salvation that I was called to this church, but it's by his power that I now can say that his glory is my story. I want to let you know when um, I first was dating Jackie, uh, the, what you love to do is you, when you find that woman, you find the one. You got to bring her home. Yeah. You got to show her off to the family. You go, look, I did good. And you also got to, you know, have her meet everybody, make sure she passes the test, right? You know, there's a little bit of a gauntlet. And I remember when Jackie got out of the car, she kind of gave me this look like when my family came out, because my family is very loud and very boisterous and very inquisitive. They will not leave you alone. They're in your business. And so they all come piling out and surround her. And then I, Jackie gave me this look like it's, you know, now I'm, I'm dating a Joey, but now I'm in a house of Joey's. There's like a, there's a ton more like him and they're coming out of this place and she's surrounded, and so she very much felt at, you know, like, you know, like, whoa, this is overwhelming at first. But then I can tell you, after 11 years of marriage, my wife is very loud and boisterous with them. <laughs> my family's very competitive, and Jackie does not lose board games anymore. Why? Because she was incorporated into the family, and then her identity became theirs, and hers theirs. And that's how this works. Our story is woven together. And that's why I just want to remind you, when it says in here, it says, um, you are the light of the world. Instead, you put it on a light stand to give light to the house, the rest of the house. Inside of this house, your light isn't just meant to shine out. It's meant to shine here too. I need your light and we need your light. And I'm going to let you know why that is. Look at Psalm 66.10. It says, for you, God, tested us and refined us like silver. 
That's the craftsman working in your heart, removing the impurities, taking the precious metal, and, and I'm going to say this gently, with grace, beating it out the, with flame and fire, getting rid of everything until what is left? Well, we are the precious metal of heaven. I remember one time I got in trouble at school while my parents were on vacation, so my grandfather picked me up, so I had to report to him, can you sign this before I go to school tomorrow, when he picked me up from school, and I remember him saying, Joseph, because he's a Joseph too, we're going to sit and talk when we get home, and I was like a long car ride home, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this, and then we finally eat dinner, and he waited, he waited, and he let me sweat all through dinner. I'm like, what is he doing? Can we just get this out of the way? Finally, as you know, grandma was putting the dishes away, he's like, Joseph, can you come see me in the living room? And I sat down, and he goes, we are Joseph's. We are made of finer stuff. Now act like it. And I remember that to this day because it sticks in my head because I have a higher calling on my life. I carry the name of Jesus Christ. I'm a part of his family. We are made of finer stuff. And it won't always be easy. We will be refined. We will be tested. There will be difficult times. But we are made of sterner stuff and we need to act like it. So that's what you see inside of the church is a collection of broken sinners that are known and pursued by Jesus Christ that are being restored and reconciled to him. And what happens is all these broken sinners pile into this room on a Sunday at 1045 to come here and hang out with Jesus Christ and church breaks out. And so I want you to see what happens when one changed life equals church breaking out when he gets with other changed life. Watch this video of this testimony. My name is TJ Carroll. I started attending actually when I was in like sixth, seventh grade. My mom was coming here on and off, but I wasn't really following um, Christ closely. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't, I didn't choose him every day. Like I felt like since I knew him, I can kind of just kind of do things my way, but one thing led to another and I just, I fell off, you know, hanging out, I'm, you know, smoking, drinking, I'm, I'm in the streets. We're just, I'm just living. I kind of just woke up one day and I just, like, God had this divine intervention moment where I just looked at myself and it was just like, this isn't, he was telling me, like, this is not who I intended on you to be. So I just went to the first place that was familiar to me. I knew it wasn't about, you know, me necessarily being comfortable, but it was solely about God and seeking him because he had been chasing me all this time. He helped me see who he intends me to be, not, you know, who the world intends me to be understanding the fundamentals. It's like, it's not about like what you do. It's not about how many things you're participating in, right? It's been clear to me that it's solely about a relationship with Jesus, like getting in the word, spending time with him, spending time with his people, and then showing love to the people that don't know him yet. The, the rap career that like, that God is like really thrusting me into. For one, it's it's been amazing just to see how many people's lives have been like affected. Seeing someone that I relate to living for God, like it shows me like this is attainable, like this is something that's real. God's here with me too, he's there with you too. And we do have these similarities, you know, it doesn't always have to be in what the world pushes inside of music today. Like there's another side, and this side is honestly, this is a sweeter side, this is a better side. What's, what's amazing about what God's been able to do like through the music is I've been able to see kids from all ages 
just seeing the Holy Spirit move in a way where they're like, wow, there's this guy who, who like kind of looks like us, has this similar story, but like he's really living for God. And I'm able to express to them like, that I'm not a person that is perfect, nor have I always been this person. It's, I'm doing this because I know where I've came from and I know what I've been through. And I don't want, you know, some of these kids to have to experience that, even though I know in life, the enemy has plans to do us harm, but God always isn't gonna do right by us. I just wanna always like express that. That's my biggest takeaway, you know, from being involved here. It's, it's really showed me like that kingdom identity knowing that we're not our mistakes, we're not our problems, we are not our issues, but you know, we're children of God, who he loves so much that he sent Jesus down the cross for, and that the power that raised him from the dead is also with us. That's uh, incredible because look what he could do with one life. How many people are affected, you know, after the, the salvation that took place there. He's an ambassador for Christ, and look how he operates in the power and authority, reaching people that you and I will never reach. But God has a plan for them. But what can God do, not only with an individual, but what can God do with a family? What can he do with the collective that's in this room? Can he change the face of Sebastian forever? I believe he can. And I want to let you know that you know this because from spiritual birth, the higher calling has already taken place. It's taking place because you're here. It's, it's taking place because you're preaching life. You're not preaching death. And although you might be wrestling with God at some level, there are people looking at you and wanting what you have, the light of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at uh, this next slide. This is from our website. We're going to put that one real quick. Can we skip over that one real quick? This is from our website. We exist to glorify God. This is our church mission uh, statement. We exist to glorify God by being a loving community where people are saved, set free, discipled, empowered, and sent out to fulfill their God-given calling. I want you to know that this church exists to document that journey. I want you to look at the, the verse. If you go to that previous verse. Look at this verse. This is the compelling part of that mission statement. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's incredible. I just want to just like think about that moment. No matter what kind of week you had, no matter like what you would want us to know about your life or not know about your life, Christ has decided he wanted you to be the righteousness of God, to carry that title forward. And that's what we're doing. We're all in that place in various capacities at different levels. Grandmas and grandpas, you are leading your family. Mom and dad, you are leading your little ones. Friends, coworkers, brothers, sisters, we are all different capacities, but we are all leaning on the same Christ and we are all leaning inward to this church. And this house is a legacy. And I want to let you know what that legacy is. It's like I said, it's more than a tradition. It's more than a feel-good service. It's this. And I'm going to describe this from a personal place. I need you. You are my church family. I absolutely need you. I may have the responsibility of standing up here to teach today, but I hope that I can count on you when I need you. 
when I ask for prayer, when I reach out, when I go through a tough time. I know that you've been able to count on me. I'm going to let you know part of the reason that my wife and I um, moved here, yes, was in part because it was 45 minutes to drive down Malabar Road, and now it's two minutes. So believe me, that's a blessing. But the real reason that we moved down here is not because it's a job and not because this is our church. It's because of you, because you're our family. You're our church family. And we wouldn't move our family to be a part of this family if we didn't love you and need you. And so I would have to say we need each other now more than ever. Um, Our church is the story of our family. And your story is being woven by God's loving pen together with everybody in this room. And uh, when we get to heaven, it's going to be no different. And we are celebrating 30 years of the changed lives that have come through this church because of the people that have come before us and done a great job of submitting to the righteousness of God. But we have 30 more to go. And so what can it look like when the changed lives of this room change the next lives? And so I want to just remind you of what this can look like from a moment of gratitude. And this is a moment of gratitude from David. David says this in 2 Samuel, and I think it's very, very awesome, the emotion that he's displaying, because you can see it's towards the end um, of his career in life, right? So it's not in the beginning. Look at what he says. Then David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? So I want you to just take a moment. We have a lot of different backgrounds that are represented here in this room today. Some of you have had different church backgrounds, maybe no church background at all, but we're all here together. But I want you to think about this. First, as an individual, how far has God taken you? From the moment he first you know, opened up your heart and, and, and changed your life, how much have you grown? How much has changed? And then the second thing I want you to think about is this. How much has this church changed? How much has this church grown? I remember when we were meeting in the high school. I don't want to remember it anymore. <laughs> I'd rather remember this. But there were some sweet moments because I remember when the youth group was one. And now it's over 20, sometimes 30. You know what I'm saying? This is the, this is the live and active word of God. And this is the family that we're in. Families do this. They grow. They grow, they lead, they pour into each other, and they become stronger every day. And so I just want to just do this. I want to pray on two levels. First, I want to pray and thank you guys for just all that you've done to make this ministry and make this church amazing. This is your church, and you own the space. No matter who's preaching in this pulpit, the Holy Spirit has brought you here for this to be your church. And you are the face of this church. And you are the representation ambassadors. But I want to pray for the future of this church. And then the second thing I want to pray for is I'm going to put a second prayer out there for anybody who may be in this room today that doesn't know God as Father, that doesn't know that they can be a part of this family. But today you have that invitation. If you would like to be a part of this family, if you would like to join this family and call Jesus your Messiah and call God your Father, today can be that day. So just bear with me as we pray through these two separate prayers. So first, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for how amazing 
you have been to us. We thank you for just how loving and supportive and, and the power of God just pouring into us as individuals before we walk in this room to the church coming together. It is truly a family reunion every time we step into service. Thank you for the rescues that are in this room. Thank you for the broken hearts that have been put back together. Thank you for being God. Thank you for being the God that would choose us to do life together, but do it more abundantly in you. Thank you for those blessings. Thank you for the next 30 years, Lord. We would love to see this church grow even more. The gates of hell to be destroyed, to see more people's lives be snatched from Satan, from sin, from death. Lord, we'd love to see the, the offensive go on and people's just homes being rescued and restored, fair marriages and families brought back to you because by your power and by your sovereignty that you have declared in us, we can go into those places and preach the gospel that we already have. You, Jesus Christ. And so Lord, I'm gonna pray right now. If there's anybody in this room that has felt like they're not a part of this family and they'd like to be a part of this family, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know that God has called you their child and, and wants to be your Messiah, if that's you today, I'm just gonna ask that you raise your hands. Nobody looking around. We would just like to invite you into this family today. Okay. And we're gonna pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of all my sins. I wanna be reconciled to you. I wanna be redeemed. I wanna be made whole. Be my Messiah. I declare you Messiah today. Let your blood wash over me, make me white as snow, and introduce me to God the Father. Introduce me into this family. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your heart for me. I thank you for pursuing me. I thank you for chasing me down. I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' holy name we say, amen.